Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. The year 2024 will witness a slew of political events, but none as prominent, some say, as the U.S. presidential election. The 2024 U.S. presidential campaign is well underway. So far, six Republican candidates are jostling to be their party's nominees for November's general election, while President Joe Biden is Democratic Party's presumptive nominee. Election drama has already begun after former President Donald Trump was disqualified from two states' election ballots. The year 2023 will be remembered in the U.S. for surging inflation and political dysfunction. Will the election, though, in 2024 change the current impasse? How will it impact the U.S. and beyond? For more discussion, let's loop in our panelists. Both of them are from the U.S. For U.S. election, both in Washington, D.C., Joining us, Peter Kuznick, Professor of History at American University, and Rick Dunham, Director of Global Business Journalism Program with Tsinghua University. Now he's in Washington. Welcome to both of you. Now, the U.S. election is being considered the most unpredictable event politically uh, for the world. To you, Rick, what is the significance of this election, not only for Americans, but the, for the rest of the world? Well, I, I think it has huge significance, both domestically and internationally. Uh, domestically, it's uh, in terms of the policy direction of the country, uh, everything from abortion to the economics uh, to uh, immigration uh, to law enforcement. Uh, globally, it's very significant because Donald Trump uh, is strongly against the NATO alliance and the world order the way it is. Uh, he also is uh, close to Vladimir Putin. Uh, and so it could be uh, a real change in the way America uh, for, uh, presents itself in the world. Do you see this is going to be a face-off once again between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Why or why not? Uh, Mr. Dunham. Um, I think it is most likely going to be uh, a replay of the of the 2020 election. What do you mean um, by replay? Meaning Joe Biden uh, against Donald Trump. Um, there are candidates on the ballot against Joe Biden, but I don't think that it's serious. There's no candidate against uh, Joe Biden who has the potential to build a coalition that could stop him from getting the nomination. I do think the one thing that could stop him from getting the nomination is if there's something that makes him appear just too old if if there's if there if there's a major problem relating to his age and he pulls out of the race uh, i i don't think anyone on the ballot could stop him but i think if joe biden were forced out of the race because of something age related mm -hmm. then somebody else uh, would be the nominee whether it's his vice president uh, or the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, or the governor right. of Michigan, Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. A briefly follow up, uh, we see the approval rating of uh, Mr. Biden uh, recently has been less than 40%. Now, whether the polls are accurate or not, every time when it's presidential election is questionable, but still it suggests uh, some kinds of attitude among the voters. What do you think uh, briefly? Once again, Mr. Dunham. Uh, yeah, co consistently, uh, Joe Biden's uh, approval ratings have been low, have not changed very much. Uh, 
he's in a position where the incumbent presidents do not win re-election when they have that kind of, of approval rate. A majority of, of uh, Americans do not want him to run again, also do not want Trump to, to be running, but uh, that, that, I mean, they're running. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so I, I, I think he's in a dangerous position for an incumbent to All be right. that unpopular. And mm. he, he has to, to win the election, he has to run against somebody who is equally unpopular. Mr. Kuznick, uh, tell me more about your thoughts. Uh, is it going to be a face-off, do you think, between the two, Joe Biden and also Donald Trump? Yes, we have a, an election, looks like, between two unpopular figures, uh, two, uh, and in a polarized, divided country right now. Uh, it looks like Biden is going to get the Democratic nomination, and Trump is far ahead in the Republican polling right now and in the primaries. So even though many Americans or most Americans don't want to see a replay of the 2020 election, that's the choice that they're going to be given. Mm. Uh, and, and right now it's very hard to guess who's likely to win. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the polling at this point, this far out, is never very accurate no. or indicative of what the final outcome is going to be. Mm. So as Rick was saying, uh, you know, both of them have major liabilities. Biden's number one liability is his age, but also his performance has not appealed to many American voters. Trump's liability, among others, is that he's facing 91 counts of uh, felony indictments in four different states right now. So, and the trials are likely to begin, although not definitely, before the, uh, before the next election. And it's possible the judgments can even come down before the next election. Mm. So we've got two candidates who insist on running and who uh, have a lot of liabilities and, and carry a lot of baggage right now. Mm. Professor Kuznick, if you look at the economy, uh, the growth rate is great, uh, job creation still wonderful, uh, but certainly the inflation has been on many people's minds and many say it doesn't matter what the numbers are, it's really up to what the voters believe what their life challenges are. Uh, your thoughts? I think the Biden administration's messaging on this has been very problematic. Remember when Trump was president, he was regularly proclaiming that this was the greatest economy in the world and, and trying to drive that message home. Biden has not done that successfully. However, there are certain things to his advantage. The unemployment rate is as low as it's ever been, and inflation has been coming down significantly. And it, it looks like mortgage rates and others are coming down also. Mm -hmm. So the prices that have hit people in the pocketbook are gonna be lessening. We look now at the price of gas, for example. Yeah. It is much lower than it was uh, a, a year ago. So there are some positives. If Biden can message it correctly, maybe that will become less of a factor in, in the election. But as you say, people are feeling in, that they are not doing as well as they want to be doing. Okay. So that, that has hurt Biden so far. Mm. Mr. Dunham, is it, uh, is the economy stupid? Is this still the logic? Um, well, I, I think the economy is the biggest threat to Joe Biden's reelection right now. 
And mo most of all, it's not the numbers. The numbers look great. Uh, the, the unemployment rate is near record lows. The stock market is near record highs. Mm -hmm. But people feel bad about the economy. People feel that Joe Biden has not done a good job with the economy. They blame him for inflation. And they think their family is doing worse off, worse, doing worse than four years ago. When I was a reporter in Washington, I did a statistical analysis. And the number one factor uh, that played into people's voting was how they felt about the economy today, how their family was doing and how they felt they were going to be doing a year from now. If that comes into play, Joe Biden's going to have a tough time being reelected because, as Peter said, uh, people feel that they're not doing well. And that, okay. and that is the reality. What people feel about the economy becomes the political reality. Mm. Two conflicts going on right now in the Middle East and also between Russia and Ukraine. How do you see these two issues are likely to be played out in the election process? both in the campaigns and also, and also on the notebooks of the voters. Professor Kuznick. Uh, right now, the fighting in Gaza has pretty much knocked Ukraine off the front page. The focus in the U.S., if you turn on television in the U.S., you see horrific, heartbreaking images on a daily basis, an hourly basis, coming out of Gaza. And that has really impacted uh, many Americans thinking, uh, and it, to the detriment of Biden. Biden is closely identified with Netanyahu and the Israeli campaign uh, against Gaza. And while after October 7th, there was great sympathy in the United States for the Israel after the horrific attack by Hamas, that has now changed. And the sympathy in the United States is for the people in Gaza 90% of whom go without food on a regular basis. Uh, there, we see the images of them, people weeping, digging their dead yeah. relatives and children out of the rubble. And so the groups that that's had the biggest impact on, of course, uh, Muslim Americans, but also young Americans. Uh, the, the, uh, among the 18 to 35 age group, more than 75% are strongly opposed to the U.S. support for Israel right now. I see. And the U.S. arming of Israel. So I see with my students that there, there is no, that they are very, very passionate about this issue. Now, they are not going to come out and vote for Trump, but they very likely, many of them, will stay home and not vote at all. The same thing could happen with Muslim Americans. And Biden's polling not good among African-Americans and Hispanic-Americans, much lower than it was in 2020. I see. So those constituencies are, are very, very important in this regard. Mm. Mr. Dunham, your thoughts, the two military conflicts, how are they likely to be played out by politicians, both in the campaign and also what does that mean for the voters? Yeah, I, I don't think that either conflict has a political upside for, for uh, Joe Biden right now. Um, the uh, question of, of continuing uh, military aid to Ukraine splits the American public down the middle right now. Uh, this, the, 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 the very strong support for, for Ukraine has eroded. The majority of Republicans are against uh, continuing the aid to Ukraine. I, I talked to a good Republican friend of mine this past week who just says we should be spending that money 
uh, to to protect the American borders, not the Ukrainian borders. So I think that's a widespread view among uh, among Republicans. And in terms of uh, the conflict in Gaza, it has been damaging to Joe Biden in two ways. One is among Arab American voters, um, which, and th that is a key group in Michigan. Michigan had been the strongest swing state for Joe Biden uh, before uh, the Hamas attack started the war. And now it is uh, leaning toward Trump uh, mm -hmm. in, in the polls. Uh, it, it, and so Joe Biden cannot afford uh, to have a wide, widespread loss of support among Arab American voters. And then also young voters. Uh, the the, the uh, young voters, uh, as Peter said, are not going to be supporting Donald Trump. But Joe Biden can't afford to lose young voters in, in the swing states. And so uh, I think unless, unless that conflict is resolved relatively soon mm -hmm. in a way that satisfies young voters and Arab Americans, I think it's a negative for Joe Biden. Uh, one of the things people have been asking is, uh, United States over the past decades has been going through a difficult transition process. Whether that has been successfully uh, done or being perceived as successfully done is a big question mark. For example, about the, the wealth gap, about uh, the racial uh, conflicts, uh, about uh, the divided political scenes. Uh, do you see over the past four years, uh, those questions have been at least approaching some uh, solutions or the divide is even further likely as a result of this election? Professor Kuznick. Uh, what we're seeing in the United States in the past years is political dysfunction. We've got divided government and we've got a Republican Party now that is not like the traditional Republican Party. The traditional Republican Party was a conservative party that was very, very strong on foreign policy and that wanted to lower taxes, but wanted to legislate. The current Republican Party is more performative and they are in many ways more extreme. We've never had a Republican Party that had no moderates before. So now you've got a Republican Party mm -hmm. that uh, is farther to the right than the Republicans have been before. The Democrats are a more center-left party. Uh, Biden, however, is quite centrist in his governing. Uh, he's managed to achieve certain things. One of the big things that may affect this election is his success in infrastructure. There is a lot of building going on, and a lot of money has been allocated for infrastructure. But you've got very, very difficult to get much legislation through Congress right now. Do you see this uh, election likely to further divide the country, uh, Mr. Dunham? Uh, I do think the political divide will deepen uh, during during this this campaign. Uh, in terms of the racial divide and and the in, and the income gap, uh, I think it remains to be seen because leading up to the pandemic, the minority economic growth had been significant. Uh, and there had been a narrowing of some of the income gaps, but the pandemic has blown that open, and 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 and, and you can see a bigger uh, income divide, both among minorities and the the wealthy uh, versus middle-income people. Uh, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there in terms of, of of racial reconciliation. We're in a very interesting time in the U.S. because. The traditional European white population mm -hmm. is moving toward 
minority status, and the question is really power, is, is how, uh, how white uh, voters uh, feel about ceding more power. And, and I do think that, again, we're going to have a deeper divide before we all come together. Uh, so I'm not very optimistic on, on, on all, all these things for the short term, but I do think in, in the long term, particularly when it comes to race, um, there will have to be some sort of coalition building and some sort of reconciliation. About those challenges, uh, how likely they are going to be used as tools for politicians uh, in this election? Don Donald Trump is uh, it ha has a history of um, using uh, race and, and racial code words. And so I do think that it's going to be uh, in, the, in, the sh in the short term. It's in the Republicans' political interest. Uh, to divide uh, the electorate uh, by by race, mm. and whether that is a conscious strategy or it's the way it happens, I do think I do think that we're going to see it. But also, Donald Trump is a populist economically, and he appeals to some traditional Democratic uh, working class voters. So mm -hmm. I do think we're going to see that kind of divide with Donald Trump talking, being anti big big company uh, and anti uh, anti globalist uh, to appeal to working class uh, voters, white and black and Hispanic, who felt who feel that they're being left mm -hmm. behind by the global order and by changes in the economy. Will those challenges the U.S. is facing today be uh, used as uh, sharp tools uh, uh, during the election season? Uh, they are already. Mm. I mean, everything is being politicized now. Uh, as Rick is saying, race is a very important dividing line. And you look at the rhetoric that Trump's been using about immigrants poisoning our blood, language that has been traced back to Hitler. Uh, the, the Republican Party's ideology, what unites them, is white supremacy. And as Rick is saying, it appeals to certain white voters who feel like they are losing their country. Mm -hmm. They turn on the television and they see black broadcasters and hosts and experts and uh, they feel that they're being left behind and so that's 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 created a dangerous kind of divide uh, the republicans are also getting a lot of headway from re raising the immigration issue with the uh, the migrants coming across the border mm -hmm. that's got a lot of emotional resonance as well uh, rick mentioned in talking about the wealth gap it's a serious, serious problem in the United States. The richest three people in this country have more wealth than the bottom half of the population. So that's an untenable situation as well. Uh, and uh, the re Republicans are, have been actually doing what they can to politicize these issues I see. in a way that not to solve them, but to exacerbate the tensions. It's a divide strategy. Biden talks about uniting the country but he hasn't succeeded in doing so. Both of you mentioned uh, the name Donald Trump, uh, yet he did not yet participate in any public debate among the Republican candidates. He has, though, his own way, uh, as, some, uh, uh, as some observed. So how do you see this a very unique way of communicating with the voters, whether you like him or not? What does that mean for future political campaigns? Well, I, I think that what we're seeing, if, we're, if we continue in this social media era, um, you can go over the heads of traditional uh, media. 
Uh, Donald Trump does not need the debates. Uh, he does not need. He doesn't need it in the general election either. If that's what he would so choose, because he can go directly uh, with rallies. He can go to handpicked uh, members of the media uh, who will ask him softball questions, uh, and he uh, he really can use social media. He can even use uh, appearing in court. Uh, and then speaking to the microphones, he's done that very successfully in New York at the civil mm -hmm. trial where he will appear in court and he grabs the headlines and he said he gives his own message, whether it's in the courtroom or outside the courtroom. So I do think that this is this is a trend as long as we have a splintered uh, traditional media and we have people getting more and more information from social media. Trump is a unique phenomenon. Uh, we haven't seen a politician like this, really, with that kind of national appeal. And Trump has got a certain kind of brilliance about him in his ability to keep the attention constantly on him. And things that come out that would destroy somebody else's candidacy actually bolster Trump's candidacy. So... Uh, and, and and as Rick is saying, he is a master manipulating the media, uh, the uh, social media, uh, creating his own ways to reach people. You have to remember that most Americans are not focused yet on the election. Most voters are relatively low information voters. And there's something about... What do you mean by, Trump say, low information voters? Uh, they, they, most Americans do not have a do not closely follow the news. They don't follow the national news. They don't read the news, national newspapers. They're not following CNN and MSNBC. They're getting their information in other ways. They're getting it for information that reinforces what they already believe, mm. the way the algorithms work, the way social media works. People are not being confronted with alternative ideas and alternative ways of viewing the world. And that's created a world in which people on both sides or all sides are living in their own cocoons. Mm. Uh, and that's an unfortunate, in some ways, a polarizing and dangerous uh, situation. So how do you see uh, the China factor will be uh, in any way uh, being exploited uh, in this election yeah. by the candidates? Uh, the one thing that the Democrats and Republicans do agree on is that they don't like China. Uh, and we saw during the Trump administration, not only trade wars, but fiercely anti-China rhetoric. And then we were hoping, many of us were hoping that when Biden came in there, he would reverse course and would reach out to China in a friendlier way. But that didn't happen. Biden doubled down on the trade war, on the sanctions, on the critical rhetoric. Uh, Biden has surrounded himself with 18 top advisors from the Center for New American Security. And those are the China hawks. So what we're going to likely see now, Biden realized that relations had gotten so problematic that it looked like we were heading for military confrontation in the South China Sea or over Taiwan. And Biden stepped back. And, and try to ease things a little bit, which is very, uh -huh. very good. But he's going to get attacked from the right 
by Trump and the Republicans for every gesture he makes that's friendly toward China. I have a slightly different perspective. I, I think that Joe Biden will try to stabilize relations over the over the next year and walk a fine line of not looking like he is too uh, pro-China, uh, but at the same at the same time, try to reduce tensions. But on the opposite side, I look at the Internet and uh, the uh, young Republicans, college Republicans have uh, souvenirs on sale uh, attacking Beijing Biden. You can you can you can get uh, you, you, you can get yard signs and banners saying make China great again, Biden for president. So I, I think that whatever whatever Joe Biden does, he will be attacked by the Republicans. Uh, but I do think that he's going to try uh, to stabilize relations and not have any kind of flare ups uh, with with China in the next year, if it's at all possible. Peter Kuznicka, Rick Dunham, thank you so much for both of you. And that's all the time we have for today. If you like, I'm Tian Wei. On behalf of my team, thanks for being with us. Bye for now.